that's why we became educators, right? To do what's best for kids. And so regardless of the level we need to take it, we need to do what it is that we need to do for our students to be successful. And so that's, it's the students that sit in my classroom every single day that inspire me. Hello and welcome to School Me, the National Education Association's podcast dedicated to helping educators thrive at every stage of their careers. I'm your host, Natika Samuels. Our schools exist to serve our students, so it seems natural that they would want to say in what goes on there. And finding the support that they need to advocate for themselves can be the difference between just an idea they have and a real change they can make. Rahaf Othman is an Illinois high school teacher with 26 years of experience who has a passion for helping her students make their voices heard. She's here to share the stories of her students' activism over the years and how their passions have changed not only their school, but their surrounding community. Thank you so much for joining me, Rahaf. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So let's start off with a little bit about you. Where are you currently teaching? What do you teach? And how long have you been teaching? I am a social studies teacher. I teach U.S. history and Chicago history. This is my 26th year teaching, and I've been at the school currently for 18 years. And what made you decide to become a teacher? When I was in middle school, I found a love for history. I really enjoyed the information that we were learning in the U.S. history classes, the world history classes. And I decided at that point in my life that I wanted to be a teacher so that I can help others learn this really cool, interesting stuff. I guess we can get into the meat of our conversation. In the wake of George Floyd's murder, your students decided to take action to bring the Black Lives Matter movement into their school. Can you tell me a little bit about how that got started? These students came to seek me out because I actually got in trouble for the Black Lives Matter flag that I had as my Zoom background. And that's why they sought me out, because they wanted to see themselves in the building. We started off the year, it was... 2020, we were on Zoom and I had decided behind me that I was going to have a BLM flag and some parents found out and started rallying to get me fired. And they were going to board meetings and calling all the administrators and calling all the board members. And so the school had asked me to remove it and I refused because I knew my rights and I said, you can't do that. And so they instilled a district-wide policy that our backgrounds had to be plain or neutral colored in order to get me to cover it up. And once it was covered up, then the other side of the community got really upset and angry and got riled up. And then they started calling all those school board members and going to meetings. And as a result, a lot of students came to seek me out based off of my stance. And so I'm a sponsor of Unity Club. That's our diversity club. And so the kids came to me and said, we don't see ourselves in this building and we need your help. We'd like to put up a BLM banner somewhere in the school. And so I said, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And so we had some obstacles in our way, but we've got a a banner that proudly stands and hangs in the cafeteria right now. Did you feel that other students outside of the students who sought you out were supportive of the actions that their fellow students were taking and that your fellow educators within the school were supportive of that? There were some educators that were supportive. There were some educators that were not supportive. Once they made me cover up the BLM flag, I started wearing shirts. And since we're on Zoom, I made sure that my shirts showed. So some teachers actually got frustrated with that and they were bothered by it. But there were so many others that were supportive. And there were so many students that did not seek me out, that did not join the club for that purpose that were supportive as well. Because when we got pushback about the banner, the members in the club started inviting other students to come to a meeting. Our president at the time asked the 
principal to join us on a meeting. And we were still Zooming at the time and asked so many other students to come in on the Zoom and be a part of that conversation. And we had so many students that joined us during that Zoom so that they could be heard as well. So I would say, yes, we had lots of support. And how did that impact your relationship with the students? It made us that much stronger. We grew a bond because we were advocating for a common goal. And I was so impressed with our students because they would not take no for an answer. So every time we were told no, they're like, there's got to be a way around this. We need to make this happen. And this is very important to us. And you don't see that often. You know, normally in schools, students are told no, and they're like, okay, and they walk away and find something else. And these students are like, no, this is important. We need to do this. This needs to happen. And so our president at the time was, she was leading the way. She was like, nope, we got to meet with the principal. Nope, if we need to go talk to the superintendent, let's do it. And then at one point she goes, we need more guidance. Can we hear from other people? So we started having a guest panel. So every week we'd have someone different that would come Zoom with us from all across the country and tell these students what they can do in order to accomplish this goal and get the banner up. And is this the most interest you've seen your students take in an issue at school? Why do you think that this was so important to them? I think it was so important to them because it affected them personally. You know, when when they were advocating for this banner, one of the students kept repeating, we have to have a BLM banner in this building because that could easily be any one of us. And the leadership was struggling to understand why the students felt that way. And the students were trying to help the leadership understand that that was why it was so important to them because any one of them could have potentially been one of those victims. And they were trying to explain that in so many different ways. And it took a while, but the message was finally received. And what is the general demographics of your school? And how do you think that that had an effect on the amount of advocacy that your students were interested in taking on this issue? Our school is very diverse, and I love the diversity in the school. I mean, with Unity Club, it's it's all about celebrating the, the diversity represented here. We have students from all backgrounds, Black, Latino, Arab, white, Asian. Every background possible is represented here at the school, which is really cool. I don't think any one group is the majority either, which makes it even cooler. But having students from various backgrounds, I think, strengthened the argument that the students were trying to make because it was not just our African-American population that was pushing for this. At the time, that's where the hashtag Stop Asian Hate was happening because people were targeting the Asian-American community. And so we were advocating for, for that at that time period as well. And so all these students got together and they were trying to help each other out. I mean, to watch it, just so fascinating. It was awe-inspiring to see these kids at work. So when you were going through all of these, you know, back and forths with your students and them making their case for hanging this Black Lives Matter banner, how do you feel like the union helped you in your own part in that? Well, I reached out to our local leadership I mean, I'm a part of the executive committee locally, so I guess I'm a part of the local leadership, but I reached out to my colleagues for help and advice. I also reached out to our state leadership. Our vice president was very, very helpful with his advice and guidance, so much so that when we were 
as we had guest speakers. He was one of our guest speakers and he spoke to our students as well. I think the person that had the largest impact within the union was Cecily Meyer Cruz. Cecily is the president of UTLA in California. And she was one of our guest speakers that was talking to the students about the different things that they could do in the outlets. And she she was the guest speaker at an event that we had here in Illinois. And I had no idea that she was going to make our school the main topic of her speech. And she said, you know, the high school is struggling trying to get this banner up. And where's the union? And we need your help. And within three days of that speech, our district suddenly approved the banner because although they were helping previously, that just really lit a fire. And so I went back to our superintendent and I said, they want to get the media involved. So are we going to look like a progressive district that's getting this done or is this not going to look good? It's your call. And he goes, let's get that banner up. And that, that's what it took. And it's crazy that the students had to fight for that for four months. But once the union was like seriously involved in pushing from the state level, just within a couple of days, they made it happen. It's awesome to have that tool behind you so that you can get things like that done when students are really passionate about it. And when you're really passionate about it too. So you mentioned the Unity Club and that you are a part of that or you're the staff sponsor of the club. Can you talk to me a bit about the purpose of the Unity Club and what you guys do together and maybe even what you have coming up next? Well, our first meeting of the year is coming up next. The first meeting is where we have our officer elections and the students tell me what they want to do for the year. So as I tell them all the time, it's not my job to tell them what's happening. They tell me what they want and it's my job to help them make that a reality. We're the diversity club. We are the club that learns about all the different cultures. And as we learn about them, we celebrate them. And we can do that in various ways. We can go on field trips. And you know, Chicago is very diverse as a whole and we're right on the border of Chicago. So we can either go visit all the different ethnic neighborhoods. We can do something in school and bring some food in or do an activity or celebrate with the school as a whole. The other thing that we do in, in addition to the learning about all the different cultures and celebrating them, we're also a volunteer-based club. So we will go out into the community and volunteer as a group throughout the year. We try to do that at least once a month to every six weeks. And in addition to that, this club helps organize our All-American Day. All-American Day is an all-school event all day long. It's our like diversity day. Let's learn about the cultures. I am the chair of the staff committee for that. And, you know, as a sponsor of Unity Club, I work with the students in order to make that happen. It's a student-led, student-driven day where we break up into different sections of the building. The students rotate by grade levels, like all the freshmen rotate together. They go through four different rotations where we have students that'll do performances like cultural dances or different activities that the rest of the students can see. Sometimes we'll have a poetry slam where the students will perform. We will have a cultural fair. Sometimes we have, last year they wanted they wanted food trucks. So we had food trucks representing different types of ethnic food that came in and different activities that way. And so the students will rotate between the four. And after they're done with the rotations, we have an all school assembly where there's more performances, more activities with different cultures. And then we bring out an outside organization as our big finale. So it's a school wide, all students involved. The students are the ones that are normally helping organize and lead it on that day. That's my favorite day of the year. And I think when I was in school, we would call it International Day. And when you describe that that way, it seems like a really cool way to make the point that we're all here 
in one space and there's no like other we're not othering people we're sort of like collecting everyone's story so I, I love that idea what are some other issues that you've seen your students fight for within the school or community maybe not with the same amount of interest it seems but what are some other things that they fought for that you've supported them on recently well, I support them on everything. Like I said, they guide us on what we're doing and where we're going with this club. But mm -hmm. I remember when there was the Arab Spring, a student came to me and said, we need to help Syrian refugees because we had a good number of students that were coming here from Syria. And so we designed shirts and we sold the shirts, not only school-wide, but community-wide. And all the profits went to Syrian refugees. So that was one. We also did an activity with for domestic violence for abused and battered women and their families. And so the kids are always coming to me and saying, hey, we heard something's going on. Can we do this? And like I said, my job is just to support them. So I tell them, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? And I'm working behind the scenes to help them make it happen. Thanks for listening to School Me. And a quick thank you to all of the NEA members listening. If you're not an NEA member yet, Visit nea.org slash whyjoin to learn more about member benefits. How would you say that this particular fight with the BLM banner has strengthened your community or changed the way that the people surrounding the school are thinking? I think it had a huge effect on our district. And one of the things that school districts usually do is they try to appease whoever is louder. So if you've got parents that are coming to complain, they try to appease them so that the complaints can stop. And I think my district was actually confused at one point because they tried to appease one group by making it go away. And that in effect had another group come in very upset. And so they didn't like lost as to what to do. And that actually led my district to do a huge equity audit. And there were a lot of findings. And from the findings, our district-wide equity committee became that much stronger, was more motivated to get work done in terms of equity. We now have a community committee when it comes to our, so our equity committee has a bunch of subcommittees. One is working with the community. One's working with the different schools. One's working with the students in order to address the needs because every school is different in its needs. And, you know, the community and the adults have different needs as well. And so to address all of that. So what happened actually had a huge impact on that. What happened also had a huge impact within our building because in addition to asking me to cover it up and I just wouldn't take no as an answer. Now I'm wearing the shirts and I was totally floored by how many people came in support of me because they were worried that I was going to lose my job over this. But it also affected the dynamics within the building, not just with students, but with some other adults. It did affect my relationship with my principal for a while, but I think in the long run, we became stronger as a team because of it. So much so that the principal and the district actually asked me to be a part-time administrator this year. I'm actually a dean for half the day in addition to teaching the other half the day because, one, they know I'm not going to go away, but two, because I'm going to advocate for the kids no matter what. And as we know, restorative practices is the big thing now, and let's help these students the best way we can, and let's, let's address the root cause of the issue that's making them act out instead of you know, constantly just sending them to detention, which does not do anything for anybody. So they've sought me out and how I can help 
our school and our community. And that's that's kind of cool to see. And I, I don't want my school or my district to be perceived in a bad light. I mean, they were stuck mm-hmm. between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, having our community be so diverse, they were, they were caught in the middle between the different communities and what they wanted. I think one of the biggest reasons why they were saying no to the BLM banner at first is with all the pushback from what was happening with the BLM banner behind me on Zoom is there's a lot of backlash. I received threats from some community members and I wasn't aware of it until May of that year is that my principal whose daughter attended the school at the time received threats as well. They called the principal and they were threatening his child. And so, you know, when you're a parent, your your kid is number one and he did not want to ever experience that again. You know, and being an administrator, you get parents that are angry and riled up and they call you sometimes, but to threaten your your child, it brings, you know, for me, the mama bear is going to kick in, right? So I can totally see why he was pushing back and he was struggling with it all. And my relationship with my principal is phenomenal now. I think we've bonded because of this. It was just, everybody was in survival mode trying to do what it is that they needed to do to get through that crazy year because we were first all virtual and then we were hybrid and then we were dealing with all of this in between all of that. And our district has always been one of the more progressive districts in the area. I mean, we celebrate World Hijab Day every year, which it's so cool to see teachers like wearing the hijab on that day. The male teachers wear a scarf around their necks as well. And so, you know, our school's done so much and so many different things. And I feel like they've gotten a bad rap from that experience. And yeah, it was frustrating living through it, but it doesn't represent my district and who we are. I was actually going to ask you about the experience of going through that because it seems like it was a bit of a prolonged battle for the banner. And I just want to ask you, you know, how you worked through that sort of personally, either through your own self-care or your support system, you know, how did you get through what sounded like a really stressful time where you thought maybe you could lose your job over this battle that your students felt really passionate about and that you felt passionate about and you knew it was the right thing to do, but there could have been consequences. One of the things that I made sure to do was to have our Uniserve director's phone number on speed dial. So I knew that everything that I was doing was within the realm of not getting me fired. So I was double checking everything I did. When they asked me to take it down, I reached out to her first and she said, they can't make you do that unless, you know, it's a district-wide policy. And so they eventually did that. So then I said, hey, can I do the shirts? And she said that you can definitely do the shirts. And so my Uniserve director was my best friend during that time period. Another person that was my best friend during this time period, and I don't think we talk about enough with mental health issues, was my therapist. I had to seek therapy during that time period because there was a lot going on and it was a struggle. And I knew that I would be on the right side of history. But as you said, it was a lot. And suddenly, because of my BLM flag, a lot of community members were worried that I was trying to convert their students to Islam because I happen to be a Muslim. Like that never even comes up. So that was crazy to me. But there was a lot of pushback. And I'd like to think I have a strong personality, but at the same time, you need support. So yeah, my therapist was someone that I was talking to at least once a week. And she was helping me with self-care in order to get through that time period. And by the way, my husband too, my husband and my family were a great support system as well. Probably should have mentioned them a while back, (laughs) but my husband's always been very supportive in everything that I do. And, and sometimes he's like, all right, we're taking this on, let's go. 
but he knows that if it, if it makes me happier, if it's something that I believe we really need to do, he's 100% on board. For example, I ran for school board at the local district where we live once because we had an educator that was making some really inappropriate comments to a, a class filled with students of the background that she was making the inappropriate comments. And so I decided to run for school board and we all know that's not easy. So he was 100% supportive with that. And he was going door to door and passing out palms on an election day. So I think without him, the stuff that I do would be a lot more difficult. His support definitely helps make it happen. So I hear that everything that went on has sort of participated the creation of a new course that's going to be offered at your school. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I'm so excited about that. This year, we're doing the research and the planning. We want to create a new course called the History of the 218 Community. So our district is Community High School District 218. As I said earlier, I teach Chicago history, which is a class that I started here in the district about 10 years ago. And it's a one semester class. And we want to offset that with another semester class where we look at the communities that feed into our district. And so we've got some communities that are underprivileged, very much marginalized. And we believe that if we teach the history of those communities to our students, it'll bring about an awareness to a large number of our students that do not see that and do not understand that and and help them in their growth as well. And so the plan is to have that class for next year. I mean, even like in Chicago history, we see that a lot. One of the first assignments of the semester is to write an essay about their own personal experiences in the city of Chicago. And you've got students that'll talk about Lollapalooza and hopping on the train to go to the beach. And then you have other students that talk about going to a family member's birthday party and having gunshots around them or getting robbed or, you know, having a knife to their neck, you know, as they're going to visit the city for whatever reason. And so it brings about an awareness with the students that don't usually experience that. And so we want to take the history of our communities to a whole different level so that there is that awareness across the board for all of all of our students. And I think it will will strengthen us as a school and as a community. It'll help our youth as they continue to grow and even move on past high school. Great. That's something to look forward to for next year. It's the start of a new school year right now. And I wanted to ask what you're most looking forward to with this school year. Okay, so we've been in school for three and a half weeks now, and this school year has been phenomenal. Knock on wood, I don't want to jinx it. (laughs) Our students have come to school totally different than last year. Last year, we struggled because after, you know, being at home and then hybrid the year before, a lot of kids were struggling with mental health, struggling socially. They didn't want to talk to anybody. They just wanted to be on their phones or their iPads all day long. And this year has been totally different. These kids have come to school this year energized and ready to go. And they're, they want to interact. They want to socialize. They're so engaged in class. And it's really cool to see that, which is why I can't wait for our first Unity Club meeting of the year to see what the kids want to do this year. I expect some really cool ideas to pop up. Can't wait to see what they come up with. What is inspiring you right now? The students inspire me. (laughs) I mean, to see the stuff that they do, like even with a couple of years ago, the whole, we want a Black Lives Matter banner. What do you mean we can't have one? We are in the school. These are our walls. We're going to get our banner up. 
to see how how involved they are and how persistent they are is what inspires me. To give these students what they need to be successful is what inspires me. I've learned over the years that fighting for students, fighting for equity is my passion. And I'm willing to do it at every level because it's what's best for kids. And that's why we became educators, right? To do what's best for kids. And so regardless of the level we need to take it, we need to do what it is that we need to do for our students to be successful. And so that's, it's the students that sit in my classroom every single day that inspire me. So one question that I like to ask everyone is, what do you wish that you had known when you were first starting out as a teacher that you now know? I was probably the meanest teacher you will ever find my first year teaching. And I have so many regrets because you could hear a pin drop in my classroom. And I thought that's the way it was supposed to be. And but I was mean in that like students would ask to go to the washroom and I was like, you know, no, this is washroom time and that's it and outside of that. And and I think as soon as I had my first kid and I have four kids and as soon as I had number one, I completely shifted my thinking as, as a teacher. And even when he was a baby, but it was like, wait a minute, I want to be the teacher that's going to treat students the way that I want my own children to be treated. And my whole mindset as a teacher shifted and it changed. And it wasn't about... I'm here teaching content. It was nurturing. How can I help you be successful? And so, you know, if the students come into class frustrated, I know they're not frustrated with me per se. It could have been that they fought with mom or the girlfriend or they didn't have breakfast this morning. And so let's address the root cause and let's give them what they need in order for them to be successful in school. And I wish I had a class in college that taught us that nurturing is, is important and ways and that we could do that because, you know, they don't teach you that in school and it's something you got to learn on your own. And, you know, this is my 26th year. There's teachers that never learn that and never do that, unfortunately. And it's, it's to our students detriment, but that's something big is I, I wish I would have been told that when I was taking classes, as opposed to me having to figure that out on my own. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for joining us today, Rahaf. Thank you so much. And it's great to see you. I mean, not in 3D yet, hopefully yeah. one day, but it's great to see you. And, yes. and uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of School Me. And take a minute to rate the show and leave a review. It really helps us out and it makes it easier for more educators to find us. For more tips to help you bring the best to your students, text POD, that's P-O-D, to 48744. 